So we're continuing to look at the Timothy text. Um, there are scholarly arguments that say that First Timothy and Titus uh, may be from the hand of one of Paul's followers. And sometimes scholars throw Second Timothy into that as well. But I actually think Second Timothy has a lot of um, marks of authenticity, meaning that it's coming right from the hand of Paul, not that the others are part of the New Testament. But this, I think, is a really personal book. I think there's some powerful things in here. Matter of fact, this our text today, I, I almost was tempted to preach two or three sermons on it because there's so much here. Uh, so at least we'll try to do one today and we'll see what happens. But it's a powerful passage. It could be the last thing Paul writes. Uh, so it's, it's uh, I think, particularly poignant in that way. So listen to the word of God that comes to us from 1 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may fill you with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardness, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the period of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust And I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts that through your word proclaim we may encounter you, the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A lot can be decided or understood about somebody by knowing what's important to to them. And, you know, there are a lot of things out there that are trying to get our attention. that have a sense of urgency that want to say this is the most important thing you could do. Now, I was at Forest Hill Cemetery twice this week, uh, did a funeral uh, for Ellie's uh, cousin Jack, friend Jack, and uh, also did a funeral for our oldest member uh, at Feasterville, 
uh, brother Harry Myers was 104, just two months shy of his 105th birthday. Uh, was in good shape until he went in the hospital and was there just for 24 hours. So I, I was to the, I got to the cemetery a lot, and both people I worked with this week, wonderful folks. But early on in my career, I learned that as a pastor, you want to drive your own car to the cemetery. Because if not, you're stuck in a car with a funeral director. And I learned the hard way that that cannot always be the most pleasant thing in Texas. So, so as a young minister, I learned I always take my own car to the cemetery. And I don't think I noticed the sign when I drove in on Monday. But yesterday, as you pull into Forest Hill, it says, limited space available. Sign up today. Now, it was almost like it was a timeshare, you know, <clears throat> like, like one, of those, one of those kind of vacation, you know, promotions. Um, and so I, I just, I, I, it took me back. Now, I actually didn't, um, didn't sign up. Uh, I'm okay right now. But it is funny about that. I mean, uh, now I stayed out of it, but apparently... I don't know, a number of years ago, um, my dad was still alive, my dad's still alive, there was a family argument about burial plots. Who was going to be where in the in the family plot? Now, I, I think, I don't know if I have a spot or not. I haven't asked yet. I'm not really that interested about it. But it was interesting because it was a matter of who was going to be positioned where. And I kind of was listening in this conversation at family meeting, and there was an argument about which place had the better view. Now, of all of the most meaningless articles in the history of the human race, and there have been many, arguing which funeral or which burial plot has the best view may be one of the more pointless ones. But what really is important? What, what is our treasure? You know, uh, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there is your heart. And I think that's true. I mean, it doesn't work the other way with us as humans. Because we are. We're creatures. We live in the material world. So what we treasure, that's where our heart tends to follow. And Paul is asking or exhorting Timothy to treasure the most important things. Now, I think Timothy is often overlooked, uh, but he should be considered really a, a co-founder of Christianity. We often talk about Paul. I mean, Jesus obviously is the foundation of our faith, but really Paul and you could argue John and, and a couple of the Gospels really are what give us the theology of the faith. Really, Christianity as we practice it really begins with Paul's interpretation of the life of Jesus. But Timothy actually should, I think, be considered a partner in this. For instance, Timothy appears as a co-author in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. Okay. And he's a central figure in the Corinthian uh, Conflict. Paul sends him to Corinth. Um, and in Philippians 2, Paul says, I have no one like him. The tradition has that he was the first bishop of Ephesus. 
which may be part of where the book of Ephesus comes from. I often think the book of Ephesus is more of a summary of the teaching of Paul. And who would be a better person to put that summary together than his son in the faith? That's important to understand. He was not Paul's biological son. We're not really sure. Well, we know Paul is single at the time of his apostleship. We don't know if he was always single, if he was widowed, um, if he was divorced. That's that's not clear. Okay. And as a Jewish rabbi, all those things could have been possible. The one least possible likely is that he was single, but that's that's a whole other story. But Timothy becomes part of Paul's inner circle and during the second missionary journey, uh, when he and when Paul and Silas are, are revisiting churches. Listia, he's from a community in Asia Minor. His father is Greek. We know that because he wasn't circumcised uh, until right before Paul took him to Jerusalem. But his mother and apparently his grandmother were both Jewish. And Paul talks about that he's faithful to the, to the religion of his ancestors. And he reminds Timothy that both his mother and his grandmother, two women by names, Lois and Eunice, were faithful before him. Um, there's probably nobody I talk more about than my maternal grandmother. I mean, the person who was the most influential in my early life about my faith, the person who's really the icon of, of Christ. Uh, but my story is not unique. Each of you are here because there's somebody who had an impact on your faith. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Um, uh, I was, the, I was a, a surrogate grandparent for favor on Grandparents' Day. Okay? And one of the questions they asked me, or she asked me, was, can you remember your teachers from grade school? I can remember every one of my teachers from grade school, and I can remember my favorite teachers from every grade. Why? Because people who, are, who take the time to teach us, who are good teachers, impact us for life. People who teach us the faith in word and deed impact us for eternity. So just as somebody invested in you or someone showed you the gospel, one of the questions I have to ask you is, and all of us, is who are you giving Christ to? And, and that's not meant to be a judgmental thing. It just means that each of you have opportunities to show something of God's love to someone. A neighbor, a grandchild, a co-worker. Timothy helped start Christianity because, in part, he had a faithful mom and a faithful grandmother before him. This was a memory verse. I don't, you know, I grew up in uh, going to, I, you know, I've talked about. I grew up going to Bible concentration camp, and um, it, was, it was pretty strict. But I'm very thankful for Bible memorization. And one verse that I remember uh, memorizing. In the King James Version, in verse, is verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. It's timidity in the King James Version. 
but rather a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. That God did not call us to be cowards. Arguably, one of the greatest American novels ever written was To Kill a Mockingbird, probably in everybody's top five list. And Atticus has a conversation with Jim after the death of Mrs. Du Bois. And Atticus had Jim reading out loud to Mrs. Du Bois during the last month of her life. And if you remember, Mrs. Du Bois was addicted to painkillers. And she went cold turkey to, to not be. And, and this is what Atticus says to, to Jim. I wanted you to see something about her. I wanted you to see what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand. It is when you know you're licked before you begin... But you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. Mrs. Du Bois won all 98 pounds of her. According to her views, she died beholden to nothing and nobody. She was the bravest person I ever knew. Again. Courage is when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway. And you see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. Courage as a virtue is neither bravado nor the survival instinct on adrenaline, right? If you run into a burning building, okay, that's probably adrenaline, not courage. If you go back in the second time, that's courage. Right, because instinct. I had a friend of mine who uh, was uh, decorated during Vietnam, and he said uh, they told me I was a hero, but I, I wasn't a hero. He said I was terrified. I went running, pulled my trigger, and I lived. <laughs> he said that's what made me. So I said I wasn't a hero. He said I was surviving. But I think being Having courage is, is, as Nietzsche once said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's choosing sobriety over after a relapse. It's going for another chemo treatment. It's also the day when you decide, I'm done. And embrace the inevitable with grace and courage. It's walking on the same street where a cousin or a neighbor has been shot on your way to school. I know kids who do that. Or walking with either your depression or anxiety, getting out of bed and facing your day. Is risking your career to do the right thing or accepting that what you wanted for your life is not going to happen, yet finding joy and gratitude in what you have. It's singing the Lord's song in an alienated time and place. It's being a vessel of the love of Christ in a time of smashing. St. Francis this past week was St. Francis' feast day. Uh, some churches bless animals. You know, they bring your animal to church. Okay. 
We don't do that, but if you need me to bless your cat or dog, just let me know. I'll swing by, all right? <laughs> okay. Don't do goldfish. I mean, they're, that's kind of, there you go. Their time, their life expectancy is tricky. No, just kidding. But St. Francis was an amazing person. A lot of people don't know all the legends and stories about him, but he actually went on the Fifth Crusade. And he went on the Fifth Crusade not because he wanted to kill anybody. He was against that. And he became very disillusioned and he saw what people were doing in the name of God. But he wanted to evangelize uh, Muslims and he wanted to die as a martyr. Okay, so he wasn't even concerned about being successful. He, wanted to, he thought the highest thing to do would be to give his life for Christ. At any rate, he, he, he crosses enemy lands and he goes into the Sultan of Malik al-Kamil, who was a, uh, really a, a very gentle and sophisticated man. And he, he gets taken, of course he gets captured because he crosses the lines. He's in Egypt. And they bring him into the, the Sultans. And uh, the Sultan, you know, he, he witnesses Christ to the Sultan. The Sultan is totally charmed by Francis. He tries to convince Francis to stay with him and not go back to his own people. And he gives Francis a horn that he used for prayer for the rest of his life. So Francis did some crazy brave stuff, all right? But probably the bravest thing St. Francis ever did was that when he got back, they took his order away from him. One of his early followers, plus the local bishop who eventually would become pope, took his order from him because it grown so quickly and it wasn't going to survive if he kept the radical vision of Francis. So in the midst of his greatest success as a leader of a movement, the people that he trusted took his work away from him. What made Francis a saint is how he accepted that and moved on. Not challenging the sultan or challenging rulers or living out and giving everything up. It was having to live with the central disappointment of his life, the greatest loss he could experience, and continuing to follow Christ. That's where his true care courage was most demonstrated. And I think the same thing is true with us. We may not be, well, we're not, it's not we may not be, none of us are St. Francis, right? Okay. But each of us have discouragements and tragedies and losses that could take away our very sense of faith in life. It's how we live through those. It's how we live into those. It's how we allow Christ to be with us through the gift of his love and through our willingness to be disciplined in him that we truly find courage. Some of the bravest people I know are on the outside some of the most ordinary people. Some of the bravest people I've ever seen are people who the world would not see as influential or powerful. Bullies are not brave. They're cowards with power. True courage is to live for Christ when everything around you is telling you not to. Paul tells Timothy to treasure. 
treasure what you've been given. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you. Kids often have a little treasure box. Do any of your, you know, maybe you, you, your grandkids have them. My, my little Abby, she recently showed me hers. It was so small, and she had little things in it that I had, you know, like a seashell she had found and some mini little toy that I don't know what it is, but she has lots of them. And, uh, and I know that you spend a lot of time on the floor looking for them, okay? So I guess that makes them precious. I had an egg carton uh, with my fossils. I had a fossil collection. I was, uh, you know, at the age of six, I wanted to, thought I wanted to be a geologist. So I had fossils and interesting stones. And then I graduated to a mini Chester drawer that had been my dad's. And I had things in there like merit badges. I had a matchbox toy, little button that came with the car, and money from Mexico that my granddad had given me, a cross that my grandmother had done needle point and a picture of a sixth grade girl that I never quite got to like me, but she, at least she gave me her picture. All those things, you know, those are things that I treasured, right? We have those things. Lyle Lovett, a great singer, um, has a song where he, uh, this album, it's probably 20 years old now, where he does those songs by Texas writers. And Guy Clark, who's a great writer, has this song called Come Into My House. And it's basically, let me just read one verse from it. That picture hanging on the wall was painted by a friend. He gave it to me all down and out when he owed me ten. It doesn't look like much, I guess, but it's all that I have left of him. It sure is nice from right over here when the light's a little dim. Step inside this house, girl. I'll sing for you a song. I'll tell you about just where I've been. It shouldn't take too long. I'll show you all the things that I own. My treasures, you might say, it couldn't be more than $10 worth that brighten up my day. Things like we keep in our treasure box or like this song, they're worth something because of who gave us those things or what those things meant to us and signified in our life. As Christians, and as Paul reminds Timothy, that the greatest treasure of all is that we have been given the gospel of God. That this truth that in Christ, God has abolished death, as he says, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let me say this. What spot you have in the graveyard doesn't matter. But the fact that Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality, that is of infinite importance. Death has plenty of space. Maybe Forrest Hill doesn't, but death has plenty of space. It's waiting for all of us there. But because of Christ, death does not have the final word. That is our treasure for this life and the life to come. And this important verse, okay, is a powerful idea that I know the one whom I have put my trust and I'm sure that he is able to guard until the day what I have entrusted to him. Where do you put the treasure that is your life? Who do you entrust the most precious thing you have? You. 
That's what this table is about. For I know the one whom I have put my trust, and I am sure he's able to guard until the day. That day when death for us will be no more, and life will be forever. I love that passage in Luke's where after everything has gone on with Jesus being born, the angels and the shepherds, it says that Mary entrusted these things into her heart. She treasured these things in her heart. What do you treasure? Do you treasure something that cannot be taken from you? That's what's offered to us in the gospel. That's what this table is about. That's what our faith is about. Hold on. Have the courage to hold on. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand together and proclaim what we believe.